Vesmir Sky Highlight Il mondo a Tata Dima Potato You're listening to The World at Your Fingertips Welcome back to a new episode of The World at Your Fingertips. Hey Kate. Hey Marley. How you doing? Every time I introduce myself, it gets freaky. I'm like, what's a cool way I can say your name today? <laughs> hey, hey Marley. Marley. <laughs> it sounds absolutely sickening and I hate slightly, it. Yeah, slightly interesting, but you know, we'll yeah. go with it. We'll go with it. Uh, so how are you today? I'm good. I'm enjoying. We've got nice weather today, which is really up my mood. Um, it's gotten to that where like a sunny day makes me feel excellent. I mean, honestly, any anything, any sort of... Anything to make me feel something. <laughs> anything to make me feel something during this lockdown palaver, I feel like, is always a good thing. But no, it's a sunny afternoon, it's a Saturday, it's a good day, it's a good it day. It's a good day. How are you? Yeah, I'm good. I'm feeling, feeling happy about the sun, feeling... I'm sat here with my tea, ready oh. for our conversation today about modern creativity. So yeah, that is what I'm drinking. Before we start on our topic, what are you drinking, Kate? I'm drinking coffee, even though, well, actually, no, it's not too late in the day. I'm drinking coffee, and it's going to make me even more excited to get into the meat that is modern creativity. I'm really excited for this episode. I think modern creativity, we choose such broad titles for what we talk about, but we actually go so niche when we actually discuss it. So we're sort of taking this in the direction of uh, how digital new media technologies such as social media and just generally our understanding of art in relation to business, into relation to life, changes in the modern world and the new way that we interact with art. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's a really interesting topic to talk about because... I think it's one of those things that sort of features in our lives and it because it's so ingrained, like having these past artistic influences and, you know, all these different artistic periods from centuries ago up until now, how they've sort of changed and innovated through time and then coming to the present where we've got this technology that essentially makes everything so much more accessible, whether that be renaissance art or whether that will be constructing art through technology um whether that be presenting art on social media um as uh, advertising and graphic design there's so many different ways that you can use art these days and how like the 21st century technologies have enabled that so i think this is going to be a really interesting conversation to talk about what that means how that's changed and innovated up until today And whether that's a pro or a con, I think it would be quite an interesting thing to discuss. And also the way, of course, we define an artist is art becoming more of a skill rather than a vocation. It's becoming something that needs to be applied to every single business because they need a artistic and relevant and modern representation in the world on social media or, you know, whatever they're doing. Even if you're an accountancy firm, you need a graphic designer to make a logo, say, like that is integration of art into every industry. And so what is now an artist? Is it a person who is a graphic designer, not an artist? Or are they an artist just because they're making a logo rather than a piece of art that would sit on a wall, say? 
Like, yeah. is the, are they only less of an artist? I think it's it's so interesting to just think how, not only how the artist considers themselves, but how we value art in the modern world. Completely. I feel like art is integrated into people's everyday lives now, whether that be having a greater access to uh, to artwork, whether that be through prints of different uh, paintings, like that, you know, it multiplies the opportunities to be able to present these pieces of art in your house. You could literally have a print of the Mona Lisa in your house. Mm. And, you know, you could, unless you were painting it and copying it back in, you know, only a few decades ago, you would, that would not be possible. You would not be able to have such an iconic piece of art in your house, like on the wall, yeah. unless you'd done it yourself, or like copied it yourself, which obviously is just not, not the same as the great Leonardo da Vinci. Yeah, but also like the technology that's made that art equal to the original or in terms of literal quality, obviously not in terms of medium and in terms of like aura and, you know, when even, I mean, I saw the Mona Lisa and I was shocked how small it is because you see these massive prints of such detailed quality and you assume it's going to be bigger, but it's actually tiny. It's underwhelming. And I I actually think that can be said for a lot of different pieces of art. I mean, there are definitely... There are definitely pieces of art that are incredible to see. But I think, yeah, a lot of the really famous ones aren't that. They do, they are a bit underwhelming when you see them. And that's why I think actually different manifestations of art, I think that that is also so powerful in a completely different way. So perhaps that even though you're getting this great access to such important art in in history, there are now these new ways of presenting art or constructing art, which are just as powerful, but in a completely different way which I think is like really exciting. And it, that can, you know, that can be photography or it can be physical constructions of art. It can be, you know, it can be, it can be shown in so many different ways. It can be presented in so many different ways. And I think that's very exciting. But then I do think also, what does that mean for the history of art? And is this particular period now something that is really revolutionary for art or whether people thought that about when, you know, Renaissance art started where people are like, this is revolutionary. I don't know if it's just another sort of moment in time or whether this is actually a really big change for art, if that makes sense. Yeah, definitely. And I think, obviously, you know, art is said that everything, everything within art, including film, painting, whatever medium you're using, is a remix. It's something that someone else would have done before that you're doing in a new way. So it's always harkening back to something that's come before it. And of course, like the Renaissance, I mean... I'm gonna even memes in a way is an art form because I saw a meme that referenced you know the great paintings that came out of the Renaissance period when the uh, was it the Spanish influenza was happening and then yeah. they're comparing it to you know COVID nineteen and small artists like I mean our friend Jess small artist from Northern Ireland who's making prints of her original art and selling them she set up a small business and she has the agency to do that through modern technologies. And that's all about the visibility that one artist can get is then amplified because it can be anywhere. It can be on social media, whether that's someone's viewing that in America or Australia, her art is there for them because they are experiencing it authentically over social media because that's where she's chosen to, to present it. Just like if you present it in a gallery, that's one space that you're presenting it in. But social media makes that space global rather than local to one particular gallery. And you yeah, found... Definitely. yeah. You found a great uh, blog, didn't you, on Adobe? Yeah, so it's part of a um, it's part of a visual trend that Adobe is has created called History and Memory, 
Um, and it looks at how designers and artists and brands are bringing history into the present by using classical art as inspiration and combi combining old world techniques with new technology. And I think that something that's really interesting about that is, so Brenda, Brenda Millis, she says that we're in a period of unprecedented access to art and art history. You don't have to travel to galleries around the world, enroll in a university course, or even head to the library for a weighty art history tome. The internet is an instant connection to the works of the masters. It's an open invitation to reach back and draw classic artifacts into the present and uh, museums, brands and artists are taking on this project in thrilling, thought provoking and even humorous ways. I actually love that quote because I didn't read that before we had this conversation. That's basically everything we said. And now yeah, I feel like a massive yeah, phony. <laughs> Just summarised it. Just save ourselves, like, you know, 10 minutes. <laughs> yeah. In the beautiful words of Brenda, uh, we yeah. could have cut this down, this intro down a bit. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but it's so true and it's it's interesting. Obviously, we've got Leah coming on who is an artist and she she really does social media in a totally, in, I mean, engaging way in mind, but also in my mind, but also interesting way that I haven't seen before. And that really says something in terms of, being able to utilise social media, not only in traditional ways, which is already a step forward in terms of utilising digital technologies within art, but she's then taken a step further and applied a new perspective of modern creativity to that original platform, which again, it, like you said, it is a bit, it's a step forward, it's another step. And that's, I think, what we're, we've overcome the beginnings of social media, and now it's time to see where we can push it a step forward beyond sharing you know photographs we've taken in a traditional way and how we can then turn it into something turn it on its head and be innovative and innovative, innovative be innovative, <laughs> innovative and creative yeah definitely well i think on that note we should uh introduce our guest for this week hey leah hi <laughs> hello how are you today i am good i am really really enjoying the weather change that's happened in the last 24 hours uh, oh, yeah, and I'm sitting in the sun, which is really nice. Are you ready to talk about some modern creativity? I, <laughs> I am, yeah, yeah. I love that. Are you ready? That's all I show, like, bigging up the crowd that we've not got around us at all. Just like, are you ready? You can yeah. have a car, you can have a car. <laughs> Fully pretending we're not just sat at our laptops by ourselves. Yeah. <laughs> so before, before we start, uh, what are you drinking? Tell us what you're drinking today. Okay, this is really boring uh, because it is 2pm on a Saturday. Uh, I haven't started drinking anything very exciting yet um, and I'm currently drinking a coffee. <laughs> uh, that's uh, okay. You know coffee. what, we're also, on, we're also on the caffeinated drink, so that is all fine. Yeah. I went on the journey with you of where is this exciting drink going? I was like, oh, yeah. Yeah. what is a boring drink? Am I boring? <laughs> no, I, I, I just kind of imagined before I did this, I was like, ooh, I've got to have a drink. What, what should I make? <laughs> should I have an Aperol spritz? Is that like a bit oh, what a mood. much? <laughs> never um, too much. Is that, never no. too much. That is the fuel of the artist though, isn't it? Just coffee. Definitely. I think I have uh, one particular friend in mind from art school that would completely agree with that. Uh, we would drink about 11 coffees a day together. I mean, terrible. I mean, yeah, weld at your fingertips. It's not condoned drinking 11 coffees in one day. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> do not try this at home, kids. Yeah. So, Leah, um, tell us a bit about yourself and what you do. And... I am, a, a, I suppose, an artist. I always find it really weird saying that um, because I always think of artists as like proper artists and I don't really necessarily <laughs> think I'm a proper artist. I 
work full time as a creative for a uh, a big PR agency. Um, so, but I, I do also do a lot of um, painting and kind of content creation and social media graphic design stuff on the side as well and kind of it that also does often feed into my day job too um so i i kind of i do a mixed bag of things uh but i suppose under the umbrella title of creative um, yeah born and raised in london pretty much all my life um apart from a weird three years where we lived in spain but <laughs> don't know, i don't know if that's <laughs> we need to delve into that too much otherwise yeah london-based artist creative kind of person and you, you studied and <laughs> went to, did you go to art school? Did you go to university to study art or? Uh, yeah, so I, uh, I did an art foundation course straight out of um, like secondary school. So I finished my A-levels and I went to, uh, at the time it was called the Prince's Drawing School. And I think now it's called the Royal Drawing School. Um, and it was actually their second year of like existing as a school. So we were like the second round of guinea pigs basically. Um, and at the time there were only 25 people um, as our um, course developed, uh, more tutors came in to sort of take classes and to um, to teach, and we ended up having many more tutors than we did students at the school. So just to give an idea of like how much attention everyone was given, it was a pretty unreal uh, foundation course in terms of uh, in terms of that. And then, yeah, and then I, I loved it, and that was when I really fell in love with painting um, and yeah and then next I went to uh, Edinburgh University uh, where I studied at the College of Art there um, and I did the rest of my degree uh, yeah in fine art painting. That's really cool um, so uh, so how did you transition from your your fine art degree into graphic design and your social media coordinator as well so how, how did that how did that come about? I don't really know, but I, I, I can, if I retrace my steps, um, I think that I went into art school uh, pretty confident that I wasn't going to come out of it and be a full-time painter. Um, I think I had this sort of uh, quite headstrong ambition that I, I really wanted to get this like creativity out of my system and I knew that I absolutely loved painting and it was like one of the things that I loved to do the most and I also knew that I would never really maybe I don't know have the opportunity to uh, paint full-time in like a really beautiful city with loads of other people my age doing the same thing like not having to really worry about living in the real world yet um, again and I think that university is for like different types of people I think there are academics that are passionate and obviously there are people that go to study like crucial things like medicine and law and lots more I'm, I'm just naming two there are obviously lots you know and then they are the degrees that then form their, their careers but I think that there's also like a group of people and I don't know whether you find this in in your unis or in film that, that it's it's a space to go and really just get your passion for something out uh, without really necessarily knowing if it's like if it's what you want to do for a job but you kind of you know that you'll never get the chance to do it again um, and I think yeah I, I fitted into that that group and uh, and yeah so when I left uni I straight away started applying for jobs um, not knowing what I was like good for um, and not knowing what what company would want to hire me um, as someone with a painting degree um, but I, at the time, had already started my Instagram collage. Uh, I started that about a year or two into uni. Um, and 
by the time I was leaving, it was a pretty established, like, as in there were kind of a few hundred posts that I'd already done. And that ended up becoming, without me even realizing, a bit of a portfolio for me. And uh, I, I started getting uh, just little jobs here and there from companies, small companies, often through family friends asking if I could help them with their social media channels. And that yeah. escalated a bit until I was yeah, getting hired by by agencies and stuff. I mean, that's, so yeah, it was yeah. it was a sort of happy accident, but I blame it all on Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> I love that though because obviously, like you say, like we've experienced too. Like university provides you almost like a safe space to fail before you realise whether you're good at something or not. So I, Molly and I've definitely had it in terms of making making films where some of them just don't turn out great, but it's all a learning experience. It's where you're really learning whether you're you're cut out to to do it or not yeah um, definitely yeah. you learn what direction definitely. you want to go I think with it and yeah. um and def- and also I completely understand you as well with the the fact that you kind of know that you're not going to be able to do something like that again in the same way that perhaps with like student filmmaking for example that is just something you're never really going to do again once you're out of university so you feel there's like a drive to just there's, do it as like much as you of, can you, you almost feel guilty having a lion because you want to make sure you, you make as much use of your days as possible um and I was <laughs> just definitely like that I wasn't there. yeah I wasn't, yeah I, I, I was absolutely the same I think if we had all gone to the same uni I would have been your friend because I um, <laughs> I was I was literally the same I um I got involved in so much extra stuff as well and actually I don't know if you have this um at Southampton but the Edinburgh Uni has a like it takes part in the Edinburgh charity fashion show every year like really seriously and I think Bristol's another uni that does it we get proper sponsors and um but yeah I ended up being the creative director of it for the last year of my time at uni and it was interesting because I hadn't actually ever been involved in it before so it was there was a weird kind of traditional baton passing um like system that that happened with the charity fashion show and I was friendly with the girl that had been the creative director the year before um, and she sort of just like, <laughs> I kind of don't really know what I was signing myself up for I think, but she sort of handed the baton down to me over a drink at a, at a pub and was like, I think you'd quite like doing this, I think it, it would be fun and I thought, yeah, this is great, I'll, I'll go see your show this year and, and see what it's like and, um, and then I ended up going to see the show, realising like the scale of the, of the thing that I'd signed up to do in my final year of uni and it was honestly one of the most stressful years of my life but also one of the most rewarding because obviously you know it was like I was writing my dissertation and organizing a six seven hundred person event uh which was which took place like two weeks before my disc deadline and yeah and I think that was also weirdly um the event side I'd, I'd never really put an event on before and that's become quite an important part of my job um at where I work at Freud's and also the graphic design element I'd never other than making my photo, uh, my Instagram collage, I hadn't really done that much work like on the Adobe suite. And so I took this fashion show as an opportunity to really like learn how to do that. And I ended up, yeah, there hadn't been a magazine the year before. Um, and I really wanted to make one. I, I think I was quite obsessed with this idea of like a glossy spread of cool pictures and graphics. And I n- knew that I, again, wouldn't probably never have the opportunity again to to make something like it um, and so yeah we ended up getting sponsored by Topshop which is really exciting um, and had yeah and they helped us with the printing of the magazine and and yeah that was a big graphic design job um, for someone that wasn't a graphic designer in any way shape or form 
uh, and I genuinely put all of the pressure on myself like no one else needed the magazine <laughs> as much as I did I don't think anyone even cared that much but I just knew that I really wanted to do it and make it and I did and I think yeah then after that I was like okay I really like using computers this is something that I'd like to do more of yeah it's and then it, now it's just all a mishmash I do a bit of a bit of, a, a bit of everything um, you're just so talented Leah it's so interesting yeah. though that's such an interesting path and um and also I think it's quite an um I like that it was something that was kind of combined with your degree but also something that you took on as like an extra well as like quite a large extracurricular so I think that's really interesting that they, both of those aspects sort of molded what you do now and the fact that you do such a like a mix-up of different types of art or different um different mediums of art is uh, mm. really really cool I, I just find that really interesting I to... think within that like you're you telling us the process of how you've got where you are you've already sort of hit the nail on the head in terms of what we're trying to get at with this topic of modern creativity you went in from your foundation sort of being like how am I going to do this full time I don't I don't really know how being a painter can be you know sustainable and then by the end you've shown how that's developed to fit a niche that you made for yourself literally by expanding on this fashion show to give a graphically designed magazine that is an extension of what had been done before but that shows you how much you know you're already filling that space and obviously we're so happy that now you're the guest for this thing because you've just proved how much you you already have been doing it the whole time that's really sweet um I mean I, yeah I don't I don't know I think it, yeah the title modern creativity is so interesting and actually I, I not to sort of um I actually it's only I suppose it's important to talk about but all of the stuff that's happening in the in the kind of world at the moment um with this Black Lives Matter stuff I I, I, I don't say stuff like I mean like it's nothing I, I obviously it's incredibly um like important and pertinent and it's it's something that I'm really trying to think about a lot at the moment as to how like how amazing social media is it, it, social media is an interesting thing in its own I think it can be really dark and quite dangerous and I think that there are lots of cautionary um bits of advice I would definitely give to to kids and to young girls especially that are using the platform a lot um, but I think in terms of the education and the messaging and the way yeah modern creativity has allowed everyone to have a public exhibition space for free to put right you know to either to make or to to write or to or to to, to photograph to to repost to whatever I think that access and that platform for for political situations where we need to raise our voices and we need to uh, sort of unite, I, I'm finding it absolutely fascinating and amazing. And actually, I found this really cool um, list the other day, which was a, like a Google Doc that someone made, and it's like a public one that you can add your name to. And it was like a call out for any graphic designers that would be happy to put some time and do a bit of free work for the Black Lives Matter movement, um, you know, because obviously there are lots of people that are trying to share their stories and share bits of information that don't necessarily know how to make a graphic or have people locally or to, to do that for them for free. And it's so interesting and it's so amazing because this list is absolutely packed. There are like hundreds of thousands of people from all over the world that wow. have said, yeah, I'll do it. 
And it's that, that is amazing. Like that couldn't happen before social media. That didn't happen. I mean, it's such a it's such a kind of crazy thing to even wrap your head around. Like trying to explain these things. It's so interesting trying to explain these things to people like your grandparents. Because like yeah, it's yeah. mad that this is uh, this is where we're advancing, and I think it's a really exciting time because I do believe that the next gen people, even just like ten years younger than me, are going to enter the world with so much more education and uh, kind of wider eyes. I, th- I think on the world and a, and a, a more perspective, just yeah. because of how how yeah how quick and how woke the internet is yeah i guess yeah sorry i think i've just spiraled into this of strange but yeah no super yeah a super relevant example of the importance of our art in terms of making a singular event or a singular movement into a global process i guess my my degree i study a master's in global media management and this is only a new course like your foundation was for the past two years and it's all mm. about the the politics the economy and sort of how media isn't free it's not just pure art it's politicized and it's territorial and it's used in different ways by different countries by different organizations Con- media conglomerate owned by a certain company or certain country is running what 90% of another country's social media and therefore it's interesting to to understand how that can influence when it is a political movement like Black Lives Matter. Yeah. The power that that conglomerate then has over all the information that those people are getting is just astronomical and yeah. especially yeah. when people when there's so much information in terms of how it is presented and how it is graphically designed what we share on on our Instagram stories is the ones that are most appealing to us. It's the it's the information that is most pre- presented in the most appealing way is what we share because obviously at the end of the day it's a visual platform and it's what's visually engaging engaging first and then it's mentally engaging by what you read further than that. But obviously, like you said, it's amazing that so many people from all around the world are offering graphic design skills to make that engaging content that people then share and it's just part of such a massive process that to me blows my mind man I think yeah it is amazing I'm I'm like I'm I'm quite excited I think that for the next like I I mean I just even just thinking like what's the next gallery gonna look like I I think that the next thing that will happen is galleries like the size of the Tate dedicated to social media posts (laughs) uh, where people can go and 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 look at or, or or even just look at old app designs and like what the first ever Instagram design looked like and you know Gosh, people yeah. kids will be like oh my god that's so old like that looks so you know <laughs> or even just not a tech museum that looks at the the hardware but a tech museum that just looks at the software and that, the, the abilities of people with computers and how I think it's I think it's amazing and it's it's uh, it's an exciting time. Um, yeah, definitely. There are some artists that are doing really cool things as well. Like I don't know if you know um, Jonathan Yo. He's a painter and he works a lot with AI. Uh, no, sorry, VR. I get them confused. <laughs> Virtual reality. <laughs> uh, I was really lucky actually uh, this year to get to go visit his um, his studio in in London, and he showed me around and showed me bits of things that he's working on. And one of the most unbelievable things I've ever done and seen uh, was he, that he has this room and he put, gave me a headset and I put it on my head and, uh, and there were like four little laser camera things in the corners of the room. Um, yeah, and the strange. next thing he said, okay, lift your right arm up. And I did. And he said, okay, like tap like that, you know, there, there are these weird virtual buttons, tap this. And then I had a paintbrush in my hand. 
and there I was like in this kind of virtual space and I could paint all around me like in the air and I could make marks and then at the end of my session in this VR world I like unplugged myself and looked at the computer screen and he'd recorded everything that I was doing and there I had a 3D painting that I had just made that I was like standing in I can't explain it was so mental and I it's it's crazy to think that he's working on like a lot of really interesting techie modern creative um artwork and he's just one artist in London that's doing that and so I wonder what the next the next steps of of the art world and and the combination of like old and digital and traditional and mediums like that I think the the world there's the, the possibilities are endless and open and it's really it's I think yeah an exciting yeah, space to keep watching I think it's really interesting like how exhibition has changed within art galleries as well and how and how that is continuing to change so that for example that is sounds absolutely amazing yeah I want to go there yeah I want to go there. <laughs> that sounds like so much fun but as well how um how art is now starting to really impact sort of all of the senses rather than just like visual and yeah. so um there's actually a really interesting really interesting exhibition down in Southampton at the John Hansard Gallery uh, called Waves and Forms by a uh, Winchester School of Art alumni, Haroon Mirza. Uh, I don't know if you've heard of him. And he basically created this, this space where uh, you could experience, it was like full of light and where you're, you know, you're sat in a position where there was, there was, uh, what was it called? Um, Kate, you'll remember the room with the- Dreamworks uh, 2.0. Yes, yeah. yes, that one with it had a huge uh, circle which flashed different light, different colours, and it was to a beat, like a strong kind of beat in yeah. the background. So it was and to match your um, your heartbeat, and so yeah. it's to induce a hypnotic state. So you stare; it's using audio, audio, but with the bass so high that it reverberates in your chest and light all together to create sort of a hypnotic hypnotic state where you you lose yourself. So it's like. Um, kind of felt oh well to God. me it felt like a womb if that makes sense which is so yeah. strange to say oh that it feels like a womb but it felt like you're in there because it was so immersive and you had a reverb chamber as well that once you went in it sort of everything it was really disorientating and that sort of immersive art I guess is where where galleries are, are moving towards but more than that like Molly and I we created media for social media for them through our student television station. Yeah. And oh, wow, okay. So they sort of they needed that not only immersive art within the gallery, but they needed people to come film it, to experience, to to review it in order to sell it more. It was really difficult creating trying to recreate yeah. that experience through film. I remember editing the video and thinking that you know, obviously we tried to do it as best we could, but you really had to be there to be able to know exactly what it was like and so I hope that in the sort of advertisement we made for it and we interviewed um Tareen yeah. himself and so being able to kind of have that entwined with all the different um experiences I hope that that was enough of a selling point to go to it but it was difficult to be able to try and recreate that feeling that you had when you were there yeah experiential things are just so difficult to even explain verbally like I think I did just struggle to try and explain the, uh, the Jonathan Yeo thing like it is so hard you do that there are certain things that you do just have to experience I think that's um, 
that's something that we should be that yet like yeah I think hold yeah. on to as well because um one of the downsides I suppose of like the evolution of tech and digital um ways to express oneself is um is the fact that like you can sort of experience and do all of these things so easily behind your screen yeah. and that the fact that there are still some things left that you you really can't yeah um, I guess so that's something I said I think that's what painting will always be to me like I can do as many graphics as 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 you like but I think that I will never be able to give up like traditional painting because it is like that there's nothing like it there's nothing like you know the, the even just the smells of all the paints and completely just unplugging from everything and not having to look at a screen and I think that yeah the same way um yeah, yeah definitely well, like you said it's, about it yeah it's involved it's involved the senses it's visual it's it's smell it's touch of holding the paintbrush and everything like that mm. and I guess we talked we mentioned the like uh elite element to art I guess that's turning more to the expectation of the audience the audience is demanding more of the art that we receive it's demanding and I just, I'm just thinking how it would develop sort of in how users users is it use is it users is it audience is it viewers is it experience experiential like i'm literally trying i'm de- flogging a dead horse here because i'm literally like i can't figure Wait. out how to <laughs> are, you, are, you, are you trying to say i think i like, do know what you mean though mm-hmm. yeah you're trying yeah. to like say how so talking about how it might be less special in terms of viewership but how how perhaps that eliteness is changed because of its demand as opposed to just becoming less special yeah is that, is that what you're saying with but like that sort of experience is in a response to the average viewer demanding more from their art so they're not demanding just for it to look pretty they're demanding it to engage with socio-political problems they're demanding it to be right. to be experiential to the point of involving all your senses like Harun Mirza or it's so the eliteness between art, between just a photograph of someone on social media, and it's it's changing from being art critics knowing more about a certain type of painting to people looking at a photograph, which is less engaging. Yeah. It's like snobbery towards towards typical art. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, <laughs> I know what you mean. So like now, you know, like a, someone could post a selfie and get a million likes yeah. and someone could make an oil painting and get 30. And it's like, which is more elite in that situation? But also, is it right to judge the selfie in terms of that's not art when clearly a million people think it is and think it's something that they enjoy consuming? Yeah. What is art? Yeah, (laughs) I think think it is interesting. No, I mean, it really is. um, And that's something that I think is exciting and scary to to artists. I think it's exciting because, as like I said earlier, like, you you know, having a... a free gallery is pretty epic um Mm. even the fact that like having a website costs money to like have a domain and 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 keep it up and like also like constantly updating it and that that, that they like i think the average website probably costs about 15 pounds a month to like just maintain and just have online and instagram is free and your domain is is free and it is what you make it and it's a visual space so i think for any artist, and everyone is on Instagram, more people are on their phones than they are sitting at laptops looking at people's websites. Um, so in that sense, I think it's exciting just to be able to to have that access and to have that, that um, ability to share. 
but at the same time it there is something that's like the positive and the negative I guess is yes the fact that like god everyone thinks they're an artist these days because <laughs> everyone's on Instagram sharing pictures of their breakfast and yeah and getting loads of likes on it because it looks you know very nice um and uh and it's 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 hard to draw the line as to what what is and what isn't but I don't think I don't think I've ever really thought about it as um I, I think that everyone has a right to express them themselves and everyone has a, a like I think I, I believe in encouraging creativity in people like a lot of people even at my company which is a pretty creative agency but because we have like a creative team within the company a lot of the like people that I've spoken to that aren't on that team that just work as PRs in the agency are like oh no 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 I'm not creative oh no I couldn't do your job I'm not creative at all and it's like I don't think you'd be able to work at this company if you weren't creative at yeah. all. And there's just like a confidence lacking in people that, that, you know, didn't, if they weren't good at art or didn't do art GCSE, <laughs> then it's like, oh no, I'm not creative, I'm better at maths. And it's like, actually, these platforms and, and sort of like the online space for sharing visuals, sharing photography, I think there's something really, um, really powerful about the fact that it offers people who don't necessarily think that they're creative a space to to be kind of accepted as it even if they're, they're not you know like um and and even if you have an instagram page just to follow other people that you think you really like the looks of their things or to save or to repost and to not make any of your own like organic stuff that's a creative thing to do too so i think sorry back to the original question of like there's too much demand i i i don't know i think um I don't think anything will ever take away from traditional ways of, of making and creating artwork. I don't think that the emotions are the same for personally towards a um, something that uh, an artist has spent hours and hours mm -hmm. labouring on. And whether that's digital or, or hand-painted, uh, I think that there's a difference there. I think there's an emotional difference. And I think that, that maybe you can't like really quantify, but... I don't like the yeah. idea that anyone thinks that they're not creative because I actually think that everyone is in some way, shape, or form. That's yeah, it's interesting <laughs> that you say that. Sorry, I, I that point that that last point is like made me really think about it differently because oh, well, there's definitely like a. I feel like people really want to be able to label these different art forms with a sense of eliteness. So when they do change and or they develop or they you know innovate in ways that art have and art has, sorry and film has and television definitely has as well i think mm. there's a there's a def there's definitely room for discussion about whether this eliteness has been removed or whether it's become more of a discussion point or whether it's gained or lost importance so there's an article on courts uh, and it's by efrat livney and it's called the cult of creativity is making us less creative and it essentially says that there's an obsession over creativity and how like that's become more apparent within uh, technology and people are fostering this inventiveness through uh, through different forms of media, uh, whether that uh, social media, sorry, different forms of social media, whether that be Instagram, uh, whether that be uh, YouTube. Uh, technically a social media and I wonder what yeah. you think about that do you think that there's like a that this new sort of surge of creativity that is much more accessible to people these days do you think that makes people less creative do you think that that is kind of making it 
easier to access so much more art or so much more so many more different ways of producing art that it actually has lost how lost its novelty um i can see why people would think that i don't disagree but i personally don't i think that if anything it might have just made the like competition i mean not that it's competitive but you know it just might have meant having more platforms and more people posting and sharing and online I don't think that it takes away from creativity necessarily it depends on how you look at it there is a lot online there is a lot of stuff I mean there are lots and lots of people that are sharing and posting and doing and and I have absolutely no issue with it I think that to some people, maybe there are maybe there are traditional artists that are like, Do you know what? No, I preferred it in the seventies when I painted a picture, I put it in a gallery, and people came and looked at it and bought it. Whereas now it's like I was experimenting the other day. I found a website that I can upload pictures of old paintings that I've done, like cropping for cropping into them, upload it to this um, shop, and it like automatically turns my artwork into like pillows and notebooks and things that I could sell on and make a little online shop with like little patterns that I've done and I have absolutely no issue with um, commercializing things like that because I don't think it kills creativity if anything I think it's just I think it's I don't know what I think yeah. I think it's um I guess it raises the bar for everyone um yeah when exactly, so exactly. Much out there yeah. you have to suddenly I guess with businesses as well they have to incorporate creativity into their business model so they I mean, we call it in my course transmedia storytelling. I don't know what the, the normal term for it is, but it's an expectation of a brand not only to deliver a product, but if, say, someone searches on Instagram, they have to have a presence there. Just as if on Twitter, they have to have a presence. And it's a consumer expectation not only to to have a good product from them, but for them to be influential for them to to engage with discourses in terms of art on social media or in terms of politics so it's an expectation heightened by consumers that not only are they a brand say mercedes do they make cars no they also have to engage with uh creative posts about black lives matter or something you know what i mean it's it's creativity and yeah. expression has to be involved in their business model else they're going to be left behind so obviously you do PR, you must experience that every day of brands coming yeah, and catching it, up. It, it is interesting, but I do also think that there is um, a very clear line as to when that is honest and when yeah. a brand is being honest about expressing you know, political views or, or joining in on a protest or a public sort of voice raising. And I think that there is also a line as to when that is just like jumping on a trend for the sake of trying to be a part of something that is quite clear or not. And I think that that has actually, you know, been quite um, transparent in, in recent events as well. I think that there are, I've been reading so much about brands that are doing it right and doing it really, really wrong. And a lot of the brands that are doing it really, really wrong are the ones that are randomly coming out of nowhere where they've never done anything before to, to stand up for anything or show their care for for anything um, even sort of remotely anti-racist and are now coming out with Black Lives Matter and, and sharing graphics. And I think that there's a difference in wanting to be a part of something and deciding now, actually, do you know what? Yes, maybe I haven't done anything in the past and I am 
going to educate myself and this has really opened my eyes and I want to do something and I have a brand and a platform and so we're going to use it to post the right thing and then there's people that are kind of doing it wrong and a, like a good example of a brand that's done this quite well is um I think it's uh Yorkshire Tea or PG Tips yeah. or one of the two tea brands yeah. um Love did this it. really really well because someone posted or tweeted to them saying love that Yorkshire tea wasn't getting involved in Black Lives Matter and rather than posting a black square and writing the right hashtags or you know in the week prior um the company replied to this tweet and said look uh don't buy our tea anymore first of all (laughs) second of all uh we are absolutely on board with this movement we are thinking about it and we're really considering um what we're going to do next to make this better and to to, 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 to to play our part. And I think that that is honest and that is really, really good um, like I- I expression. And yeah, so I suppose actually, if I, maybe I didn't um, understand the question completely correctly the first time around, but yeah, in terms of um, the cult of being like, oh God, yeah, no, I'm gonna make another graphic because it's National Picnic Week this week and I've got a, <laughs> a cooking brand. So I've got, oh God, you know, I've got, and that, yeah, I think that there is a little bit of, um of obvious jumping on bandwagons like trend but I, I also think that that probably existed before we just see it more now yeah yeah, um, yeah but yeah i think that really sums up what we were trying to get at when we first came up with this idea of modern creativity and what we wanted to discuss is that there's so many assets like as- aspects that not only individuals um I mean, as in us, and then there's influencers who are also individuals, but they are a brand in of themselves, as well as major companies, that modern creativity is not only affecting the artist, but it's affecting majority of the population in most countries as well. In fact, they've had to learn how to present themselves as a personal brand or as working for a brand. And it's no longer is art only for artists um, in terms of consumption or presentation, but modern creativity has made its way into every sector from, from business to transport to everything through through social media and as a result of technology advancing, so does art to, to follow yeah. it and people's understanding of the importance of art, not only as expression, but as representation. Art history is going to look very different in 50 years. Um, and. I am curious as to like how 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 we, it will be taught and stuff at school, um, and whether the syllabus is literally just going to stay the same forever, which like has clearly been a problem um, for for many years. Uh, but um, I I do think that the 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 traditional world of art, and in fact I kind of know it um, in, in a way. I did a, a, a an internship at Sotheby's in New York, uh, like in my first. Uh, summer of uni it is it did open my eyes to the fact that there is a very very buzzy art world like uh, uh, traditional in the the way we've we've been talking about it in this conversation but um world of art where there are people like I suppose modern Picassos that are that are working and making really poignant pieces but the thing that's that's different uh about today and like 50, 60 years ago when Picasso and other artists alike were were making work like this is that we have so much like we have so much else going on so it's like 
it, it doesn't mean that it's not happening, but it just means that it's very distracted uh, from like wh where back then it was like, without the internet and without social media. Those were the pictures that there would have definitely been as much um, art being made, but there wasn't as much opportunity to to show it or become sort of known for it because the world was the world was bigger, and now it feels a lot smaller, and everyone is able to connect. And and so yeah, it's it's all still happening, and there are still people that are painting and making art and and trying to put it in exhibitions. And like you know, I remember going around all of these little galleries in New York and really feeling like and understanding all about like the kind of people that really keep their eye on artists all around the world. Yeah, and it doesn't feel like worlds away. You know, I think I can imagine back then like comparing yourself to Picasso is like you know almost like comparing yourself to Picasso now and like still it's this it's like this kind of this godlike person yeah. who was like the pro at that and I think that still exists in sports maybe yeah. because you can't really digitize yeah. a sport like I suppose a video game is the closest thing and that is never really going to be the same um but uh, but yeah, but now it's like everyone, even like the most famous people in the world, like as in, in terms of social, like the Kardashians and Beyonce and all these kind of like big American stars that have like hundreds of millions of people that follow them on social media. They don't feel that godlike or unaccessible because the fact that you can send them a message, like sure they might not read it, but like. You can literally click message and send them something if you wanted to. You can comment publicly on their stuff. You can like their stuff. And so I suppose that must have something to do with the like the, the change in elitism towards it. Because if someone, if you, if you feel the freedom to be able to do that and you just know that that, whether you do it or not, doesn't matter, but you know that you can. Yeah, I guess that's... That's, a, that's, that's an interesting yeah. mental... Um, difference to how it would have been in the sort of 40s 50s yeah I guess that's that like the, the viral culture that you know anyone can mm. reach that if they have the right culmination of things that anyone can go viral and reach the level of visibility yeah. for their 15 minutes that Beyonce has arguably but that's so interesting in terms of you know how immortal will be the art created now in this world of modern creativity as it was in the past when when things have, have stood the test of time, but when we're producing, we're so saturated with images and we're producing such a high volume of content, what will remain immortal in years to come and remembered in years to come when there's just so much being produced. But oh. that's such, I mean, you just wrapped it up amazingly there, Leah, by <laughs> just you know questioning everything I believe and hold dear and causing an existential <laughs> crisis for me. <laughs> Sorry. Go away now and just think about this for, for a while. <laughs> but it is just so interesting. There is so much possibility and there's so much, this conversation could go on forever. Yeah, definitely. Um, oh, completely. But I actually think also to, to leave people with something to think about at the end of this, going away and thinking about this now, I think it's a, a good way to wrap this up by leaving on a note of something to think about. I guess all we have now is art is the choose is the way art is the way in which we are currently translating the world around us through social media and it's the only control we have over that is basically what art we consume and and how we consume it whether it, you know that's really all we have control over it and yeah sorry mm. that was just Oh. Oh, no, that was I. That was very, yeah. very well put, Kate. Oh. Very, yeah. <laughs> yeah, very happy put. I think. 
Um, but yeah, thank yeah, you so definitely. much, Leah, for yes, thank you giving for us your time. Sorry. Thanks for having me. Um, it's been really, really fun talking to you both. Uh, well, thank you very much. And thank you to everyone who has been listening this week. And we will see you next week.